RadioInfluence.com. We'll shine a searing spotlight on the weaponized virus, vaccine fatalities, the insidious attack on our families and children, how big tech, China, and globalist bad actors are among the factions seeking to remake our world, and much more with Dr. Naomi Wolf on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Radicals and liberals won't be able to write off the information you're about to hear as right-wing propaganda and or disinformation. Naomi was a longtime Democratic Party insider who now identifies as an independent. So why is she pointing a damning finger at Democrats while thanking God for, quote, the conservatives and libertarians in America because you didn't swallow the Kool-Aid? You asked questions, unquote. Well, let's get into it. A charismatic personality with a passion for activism, Dr. Naomi Wolf has long challenged conventional narratives on gender, foreign policy, economics, and journalism. One of the world's most influential feminists, Dr. Wolf doesn't just comment on the world's most pervasive problems. She aims to solve them. A graduate of Yale University who received a doctorate from Oxford, Dr. Wolf is a professor, columnist, and public speaker. She's the co-founder and CEO of DailyClout.io. You got to check that out. DailyClout.io, a successful civic tech company. And there's more. Dr. Wolf has written eight best-selling works of nonfiction, including The Beauty Myth, Give Me Liberty and The End of America, her latest book that we're going to delve into in depth here, which is anything but fiction, is entitled The Bodies of Others, The New Authoritarians, COVID-19, and The War Against the Human. I'm glad to bring to the show Dr. Naomi Wolf. How are you, Naomi? I'm good. Please call me. Na- there we go. Please call me Naomi. I'm fine. I will call you Naomi. There you have it. In an effort to unite us as a nation, you've been shouting it from the rooftops for quite a while to whoever whoever would listen. What have you been trying to tell the American public? Gosh, thank you. Uh, You're welcome. I, I guess the key message is that since 2020, when the pandemic began, I've been trying to warn people that Um, what's been messaged as a pandemic is also, and I think now primarily a pretext for a number of bad actors ranging from the World Economic Forum to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to the Chinese Communist Party and big tech companies to to seize power and to wage a war against uh, the West, specifically against America, most specifically against our children and our families, and to kind of remake our world, and they're being quite successful in doing so, in such a way that um, we need to ask their permission to just do human things, engage in human community and human commerce, uh, and and to reorient our world with a massive transfer of assets, um, 
going from us to to them to a handful of oligarchs and and that that we you know i warned that this public health emergency was going to be a pretext for stripping us of our freedoms i've been issuing these warnings since 2008 when i wrote a book called the end of america in the bush era and i showed that tyrants on the left and right always take the same 10 steps mm-hmm. and stripping us of our freedom well now we're here at step 10 we're under emergency law biden just extended emergency law uh state by state about 28 states are under emergency law at the state level and that means that we're vulnerable to any power grab any statement declaration of a new emergency to lock us in our homes crush our businesses harm our children and so on right i understand what you're saying and you have said this pandemic or whatever people want to call it, was this pretext of a handful of bad actors at the global level. What is their end game? What is this all about? There's always an end game. Where does this go when it reaches its highest level? I think you can see pretty clearly from the events of last week um, what one goal is. The World Economic Forum held a conference last week and the Biden administration had submitted 13 amendments in support of it. And the goal of it, I'm sorry, the World World Health Organization Mm -hmm. last week, I beg your pardon. um, The goal of it was to create a treaty to suspend our sovereignty um, and to allow the WHO to declare a pandemic. And the WHO has... China on its board, and it's funded by Bill Gates largely, um, but they would create a meta-national kind of strike force and a meta-national uh, entity to declare public health emergencies and to respond to public health emergencies and to harvest the data, which is very important, from public health emergencies. So that would be basically dissolving the nation state, dissolving our powers to manage our own emergencies by ourselves and also, uh, you know, uh, making us vulnerable to a state of emergency on a global level instead of, you know, country by country, what we're fighting right now. So one goal is to dissolve the nation state. And I have a chapter in my book about the nation state and how important it is for liberty. Um, That if you can't have borders and citizens and a nation with a culture, uh, you can't have a democracy, you can't have a republic. Um, Another goal is to create a kind of, to turn the whole world into China. Um, These oligarchs like the China model. They invest in China. They have no problem with the way China has enslaved a billion people through a social credit system. So these tech oligarchs like Microsoft that built the vaccine passport, Salesforce built a vaccine passport, um, they want to export the Chinese model where every single thing you see on social media, everywhere you go, all your friends are tracked and used to keep you in line. And they want to do it through, you know, this narrative of, oh, there's this horrible virus. Oh, you need a vaccine. If you don't have a vaccine, you can't go anywhere. So you'll sign up for a vaccine passport. And the digital ID, which has been rolled out in Europe and in Israel and elsewhere, um, is their way of exporting Chinese style control of a population onto the West that used to be free. Um, another one of their goals is theft. Um, I show the reader in chart after chart how by rolling out policies that made <clears throat> no sense medically, pardon me, like locking down 
you know, lockdown states did just as well, I mean, just as poorly as open states when it came to COVID transmission and lockdown countries did the same as open countries. But um, by by locking people down, creating essential and non-essential services, you, you choose winners and losers. And the result of that is the lockdown policies crushed small businesses, small landlords, uh, sm- small bars and restaurants, and transferred those market share and those assets to big tech companies and to big investors like Black um, Blackstone. I'm sorry, BlackRock. Wow, I need a second cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> and and so you can see in the charts also it 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 gave new life to dying industries. The lockdown, like tech investors had invested in distance learning and it was hemorrhaging money. Well, you lock students out of their in-person classrooms, you send college students home, you force them onto digital educational platforms, and you know, you're up hundreds of millions of dollars um, for tech investors. If you're Amazon, you're competing with Main Street, little bodegas, little boutiques, mm-hmm. little supermarkets, um, little butchers, little bakers, force them to stay home, and you get all their market share. And Amazon is up, again, 20 to 30% over the last 20 years, uh, last two years net revenue. Um, sector after sector, Google owns Baseline, which is where you need to sign in if you get a COVID PCR test at CVS. So mandating testing, mandating testing week after week after week, who benefits? In addition to harvesting your data and possibly your DNA, it's Google, which is up again 20 to 25 percent over the last two years in net revenue. So sector after sector, uh, especially in the tech space, looked at human beings and how humans gather to worship or gather in schools or gather in bars and restaurants or just talk to each other. And those human spaces and actions don't generate revenue for tech companies. And they you know, influence policies that crush that human advantage and dissolved community, criminalized assembly, you know, crush small businesses and drove us all onto their digital platforms where we can be, you know, tracked and surveilled, but also monetized. Um, So that's the world they want for us. Yes. Now, that's kind of scary. Now, people are saying, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Now, who are these bad actors? Now, Please explain to them who these bad actors are and what their global vision is. Because, see, people can understand kind of the left versus the right in America. But when you're talking about a bunch of bad actors, as you call them, globally, who have a vision that is not has nothing to do with nation states, please explain who the bad actors are in general what this is all about and why this is so deadly for America. Yeah, well, I I, I listed the main ones, right? I mean, China, it, it, their goals are clear. They've, they've stated they want to be the world's hegemon, the world's superpower by 2049. And I believe that we're under attack right now from China. Um, this is based on m- very knowledgeable people like Michael Sanger, uh, General Spalding, 
Um, my own husband, Brian O'Shea, who's a, a you know twelve years in military intelligence and very thoughtful about um, the role of China in undermining the United States, has also shown me primary documentation to persuade me of this. The thing is, China engages in what they call asymmetric warfare. Uh, so it's not like they're dropping bombs on us or trying to shoot us with soldiers. Um, it's about undermining us and weakening us. So without a shot being fired. So if you look at where we're at right now, compared with two years ago, our borders are open. I'm the daughter of immigrants and the granddaughter of immigrants. I believe in legal immigration, but the open borders um, are, you know, fighting age men from Ukraine and Afghanistan are flowing in and we don't know where they're going. Uh, there are mercenaries over the border in Canada. Canada declared martial law. They could cross into uh, our space with no problem. Um, there are disrupted food supplies. People are looking at empty shelves. You know, this was the land of abundance. You never had an empty supermarket shelf in the United States of America before 2020. I mean, not for a hundred years. Um, there is a baby formula shortage. Uh, even the babies are, are, you know, hungry in America if they're not being breastfed. And I've been reporting on harms to breast milk from the mRNA injection. Right. You just wrote a letter, right? Dear friends, sorry to announce a genocide, right? A couple of days ago, talking Correct. about this very thing. Exactly. And that's a really important letter to get out. Um, you know, look at the mRNA injections. My team of 3,000 highly credentialed researchers have found in the Pfizer documents that were supposed to be concealed for 75 years, but were exposed under court order, horrific harms from these mRNA injections that we weren't told about. Um, deaths. And you're uh, talking about the vaccine, right? Uh, the, vac the COVID vaccine. Right. The COVID vaccine specifically. Uh, strokes, neurological disorders, um, clotting of all kinds, heart attacks, uh, joint pain, muscle pain, um, sudden fainting so hard you hurt yourself, uh, encephaly, um, so much damage, and, and a baby die-off, which is the latest uh, letter that you just cited, which is incredibly alarming, as well as um, horrible problems with breast milk, which I just mentioned, uh, of vaccinated mothers. So, you know, you put all of these together, plus the targeting of parents who are concerned about their kids, plus the, you know, abuse of children by masking, which I go into a great deal, and the abuse of them by distance mm -hmm. injections, on and on and on, and forcing injections that are so damaging on our military men and women, right? And our first responders, our firefighters, our police, um, the defund the police movement, which left our you know, cities, especially the most vulnerable communities uh, at the mercy of chaos and violence. Um, you, you put all of that together and you cannot avoid concluding that we are under attack, You know that our, our, our might and our uh, unity and our integrity and our families and our communities are being undermined. And that is exactly the argument of the book with the addition that the book argues that a lot of these measures are also aimed at um, undermining and transforming American culture because American culture is a, a thorn in the side of these uh, globalists and oligarchs who want to turn everything into China. Okay, now you just mentioned China. But let's just stay with China for a second, then we'll talk about the other bad actors. Uh, you contend that China plans to take over the world, which I think most of us that understand what's going on would agree with, by being in control of the world's DNA and healthcare information. Explain how 
and why that is so important. So because if you have control of all that, you can have like a bloodless coup. Yeah, exactly. Um, and let me also add to that. First of all, it's not my contention. It's China's contention. It's a white there you paper. Go. There yeah. you go. It's a, it's a white paper that China produced about their goals. They're not secretive about it. And uh, I, again, I really want to credit my husband, who's a, uh, an intelligence uh, specialist uh, with finding these documents and showing them to me. Otherwise, you know, when he first started talking about China, I thought he was, you know, it's like, I love you, honey, but this is madness. And then he showed me primary document after primary document that he located. Um, you know, these are CCP documents, original documents about their plans. Um, so, yeah, they they want to be the world's hegemon, as I mentioned, by the 100th anniversary of the communist takeover of China, which is will be 2049. And um, a, a huge part of what they're doing is amassing DNA and health records uh, of, of the world's people. And a great deal of what's behind this uh, kind of COVID narrative and processes does amass health data. Um, you know, you'll you'll notice that, I mean, I just went to an Ivy League graduation and I had to, in order to enter a building, I had to upload my my vaccine status to the university, you know, which is totally illegal. Right, it's none of their business. None of their business. But if I didn't do it, I wouldn't get to see someone I love graduate, you know. Did or you tell them the truth? <laughs> Because I know I know your status, but did you tell them the truth? I mean, I tell the world the truth because I'm not ashamed of it. But, mm -hmm. you know, I did say in the comment section, this is unlawful. It's a violation of the Fourth Amendment. It's a violation of HIPAA. It's a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. But the point is that database is valuable, mm -hmm. right? They get 1,500, 3,000 parents, and they know that their health status. That's valuable data. Um, whenever you swab your nose, like when I did a nasal swab for a COVID test at CVS in Millerton, New York, the the uh, little swab, the, the wrapping was in Chinese, you know, yeah. and, and I asked the CVS worker, where does this go? And he had no idea. Well, you know, your, your nasal, you know, passages also, you know, nasal swabs can contain DNA. Um, I don't know where my DNA is going. Right. With all those nasal swabs, you don't know. And at least one covid testing site in the Pacific Northwest was revealed to be, a, you know, a Chinese communist front for harvesting, harvesting data, um, the vaccine passports. Uh, they can load, you know, your health records onto them with a flick of a switch. Um, and again, whoever owns that central database, which in state after state, uh, lobbyists are pushing for they whether it's china or whether it's google or whether it's microsoft salesforce and all of these people are racing for the data you know they control your future you know they can map out if you'll get sick if you get you know medicine they can predict what you'll get they can map out what advertising to send to you uh, when it comes to the injections it gets even scarier right because the Pfizer documents show, like I personally think, as I've said, that that the mRNA injections are are a bioweapon being mm -hmm. used. There's no, there's nothing else to conclude from the level of harms and the FDA colluding with it. Um, so why why is you know why is that important? Among other things, 
if you force injections on people, you can get rid of people. Mm. Uh, and and you know who they are, right? Because you've assembled their details, their name, their background in, in a database. And, and the reason I mention this is that there are different doses in the Pfizer documents. There are different doses. So people who got the Moderna first and second vaccine got 100 micrograms of lipid nanoparticles, uh, mRNA, and uh, spike protein. Mm. Lipid nanoparticles have been shown as I mentioned, to traverse the blood-brain barrier. They're tiny, hard, fatty casings, as I may have mentioned, uh, and very dangerous, um, causing clotting, causing strokes, heart damage. And the uh, spike protein has been proven to be toxic. So 100 micrograms was shown to be t too high in the internal mm -hmm. Pfizer documents. They, they dropped that amount internally due to its, quote, reactogenicity. That's their Pfizer's language, not my language. So my mom got the Moderna first and second dose. You know, many people got it, millions of people got it, and they were not told that the first dose was too high and maybe they shouldn't get the second dose or maybe they shouldn't get the booster. Maybe they should be watched more carefully. They weren't told anything about that. I'm telling you about it um, a year and a half later. Um, my point being... Uh, since Pfizer knows that the high dosages cause particular harms, and since BioNTech knows that one of the side effects of the mRNA vaccines is fainting so hard you hurt yourself, and since 1,200 people died in three months in the Pfizer trials, four of them died the day they were injected. Mm. Since one of the ingredients is SM102, which is a carcinogen, according to OSHA, people are having their cancers roaring back or new cancers they never had before after being injected. Wow. I guess what I'm trying to say, and also my reporting shows that there's a partnership between BioNTech and China and the CCP and that the SEC filings show a 100% tech transfer of BioNTech to China at the end of 2021, right? So China owns that technology now, the, the mRNA, um, the COVID-19 vaccine technology, you know. So, and, and there's a partnership with the CCP and BioNTech, which is Pfizer's arm that makes the vaccines. Um, interestingly, Pfizer has a facility in Wuhan uh, and they raced to create this uh, injection in January of 2020, um, even before we knew how serious this virus would be around the world, right? For all of these reasons, I see this as a national security threat because it's very easy for China or any oligarch to say around the world, give that leader the 100 microgram dose. Mm. Or give that dissident or that journalist the 100 microgram dose. Mm. Hey, Naomi, let me tell you something. God bless you for what you're doing. And then think about this. You worked as a consultant on presidential and vice presidential campaigns for Bill Bubba Clinton and Al Gore. Mm -hmm. And the Democrats, since I can remember, have always claimed to be uniters. Mm -hmm. What you were speaking about and writing about are solving issues that truly would bring us together as Americans. So a byproduct <laughs> of you taking a public stand for God, family, and country has to be national plaudits from Democrats. They gotta love you, right? 
Well, obviously not, Gary. <laughs> That's not happening. I well, was- one of them, what the heck happened? I thought they're supposed to be for the, I, until I became a born again Christian in 1997, I was a Democrat. I thought they were for the people, for the little guy, for Unite and for the blacks, for the world. We are the world. Remember the song, we are the world. What the heck happened? And why are they giving you such a hard time? I know the answer, but I obviously want you to tell your experience because this has, they've gone after you relentlessly. And uh, what, where did your eyes get open to what was going on? Yeah, let me answer your first question first. Um, I guess, you know, it's true that I've been deplatformed five times and now Amazon is censoring my book and telling people they can't have it. <laughs> so, um, And it's true that I got kind of exiled from my democratic community when I first started reporting on these, excuse me, these issues, which is really just being consistent as a journalist, you know, reporting on important, I mean, I think these are the most important stories of our time. I can't believe the legacy media isn't, you know, headlining the news that I'm presenting, that the Pfizer research volunteers are presenting. It's it's the biggest story to hit humanity. but I think they they first started uh, attacking me and smearing me because I was criticizing um, actions taken by the Biden administration. And I was criticizing President Biden. Who you it, did vote for. Whom I did vote for. And I guess we do have kind of a blind spot on the left that we think we're such good people that if one of ours is in office and doing bad things, they can't really be bad things. Or you really shouldn't criticize you know, because the alternative is worse. Um, It's just a hypothesis. But also, as I pointed out in The Bodies of Others, a lot of this legacy media uh, that is left of center, like The New York Times, the BBC, The Guardian, where I used to be a columnist, um, NPR, they're funded. They took millions of dollars from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and from the CARES Act for COVID education and to heighten vaccine confidence. So they're complicit and there's a price tag attached to those millions of dollars they accepted, which is to smear and attack and deplatform people like me and to lie. You know, and they've been lying as I show readers, they've been lying to people about COVID, about the vaccines, about risks from the very start. So, you know, they probably want me to go away because I, I'm this book busts them, you know, and shows that they sold their journalistic souls. Um, but having said that, Gary, I do encourage you to, it happens that the, the the bad actors doing most of this in America are Democrats. And there's a money flow from the CCP to the Democratic Party, for sure, directly into Democratic states. Um, but globally, it's it's people, it's conservatives mm-hmm. too, it's transnational. Mm-hmm. Johnson, yep. England. It's Scott Morrison. It was Scott Morrison, a conservative in Australia. Uh, it's a liberal in Canada. It's a, you know, it's it's Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand. This is a, a meta-national script, and they're all in lockstep. They're doing the same things around the world. So that's the, where the World Economic Forum comes in, because that's a meta-national entity that places its lackeys, you know, in in parliaments around the world and in Congress too, and you know, basically is, is Klaus Schwab is, is made no secret of his goals. He wants us by 2030 to own nothing and be happy. 
you know, he wants oligarchs to be in charge of everyone's assets. He wants a rentier society, uh, a surveillance society, as I mentioned, and 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 for for stakeholders to decide everything and for citizens to decide nothing. That's their goal. Absolutely. And this is why for the three years I've done this show, I've been trying to tell people it's not about an R, it's not about a D, it's about a G. It's about globalism. And it's about those who are globalists. They are fighting a, a war on another level because to be a globalist, you have to bypass American sovereignty. So I do ask you, and I thank you because one of your comments, you said, I thank God for the conservatives and libertarians in America because we didn't swallow the Kool-Aid. We ask questions or you said you ask questions. Tell if it are you kind of saying if it wasn't for the conservatives and the libertarians that we we'd be finished now. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. But, you know, look, first of all, you're you guys are lucky, right, because you have a, a an independent media, you're part of the independent media. So there were places to have open discussions about things like lockdowns and mRNA vaccines and these policies, masks in the liberal, I'm sorry, in the conservative and libertarian independent media that really don't exist on the left. So the left is much more completely propagandized about these things and can't think critically about them for the most part. But I also just genuinely, like, just to be honest, I hate to be at this point, I wish it was my team as well as your team or my former team, because I guess I'm an independent now, even though a lot of my views are still classically liberal. But on the right and with libertarians, you guys behaved like Americans for the most part, meaning you had civil dialogue and you asked questions. You stood up for your children um, and you stood up for the Constitution and for free speech. And I've uh, right now, I try to get my liberal friends to engage with conservatives on a number of issues. They just won't do it. And they won't even look at the primary documentation that I'm trying to show them. You know, that's not my opinion, but like peer reviewed science or, you know, even the Pfizer documents, they won't look at them. And so I do have to credit conservatives because that's not acting like an American. That's not acting like a post-enlightenment citizen who assesses facts. Um, and the other reason I do want to credit you guys, even though it's painful that it's not us doing this as well, is that, you know, you said earlier you thought the Democrats were the, the people who were for the little guy and were, I think you might have said inclusive. Or, right. And, Claim and to be. Yeah. To be inclusive. Well, you know, it's literally among conservatives. No one ever asks me my vaccine status. No one kicks us out of anywhere, it, it would be unthinkable. You know, they just treat us with decency and equality. And on the left, the same people who speak up continually for racial inclusion, against um, marriage exclusion for LGBTQ people, uh, who would never discriminate against people on the basis of their race or their sexual orientation um, or their disability, Ability, they embraced a discrimination society in a matter of months, embraced it, and without a qualm. And, and I describe this in the book. Um, and this is this is shocking to me. Well, see, to me, I, I have to ask you this question because this is one of the fascinating things of having you on the show. 
because having graduated from Yale and Oxford, so, you, so you're a highly educated woman, uh, shouldn't we have known when we look at world history and you look at the history of Marxism, of socialism and communism, the, the movie always ends the same way. And it's always either God, people are going to look to God for sustenance or government, but not both. And anytime government wants to expand and go beyond its roles, like in the Constitution, like taking care of people, be they black, be they whatever, be they this, be they that, the government taking care of people, they can only allow you so much because if you rise above that ceiling, you're going to want to keep more of your money and you're going to look at the other side. So I've, I've never understood why people that look at world history and know world history think exactly what Barack Obama instituted for eight years and the Biden administration is continuing. If it never worked anywhere else, why, why do people on the left think it can work here? Great questions. Um, I think, well, on the left, there's a story we tell about history, which is that the Great Depression was solved by um, FDR's uh, WPA and other massive programs like the Tennessee Valley Authority. And, you know, they don't tend to look at World War II as it having ended the Great Depression. <laughs> so this model that um, government giving money to people through programs uh, raises them out of poverty, solves social problems, um, is compassionate, right? And 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 we're told that business people and free commerce are by definition um, selfish and uh, exploit the poor and exploit their workers. Um, so it's really paradoxical if you know history because it's the opposite of what like. Booker T. Washington. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Frederick Douglass, right? Yeah. And it, it really everybody up until, you know, up until these ideologies um, became common. I mean, everybody in the world of um, both civil rights and also I would say rights for immigrants, like my grandparents, you know, mm. immigrants from Europe. That was all about, you know, secure your family, secure your business, secure the education and have freedom to, um, you know, keep moving, right? Just what you described. But but since this is now our narrative and I can now see the communist tinge to it, right? Um, we on the left uh, really are trained to assume that equality equals a government or or compassion and inclusion equals a government subs subsidy pardon me and that if you criticize um you know vast dispersions of government funding you're a racist or um a classist i mean that's the, the yeah. simple answer i have well, I, I i understand what you're saying you see but the, 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 when you look at government as you know government doesn't make money government spends money so if you have big government and they're handing out this that and the other thing where's the money coming from it's going to have to come from the private sector right. but they're trying to squash capitalism so that squashes the economy the one thing i always wondered naomi when you look at the welfare state okay uh, all right you can't you can't have a man in the home so there's no man so the men are going to be out in the streets as predators okay the more kids you have, the more money, the bigger your check. So now that turns black men or men into predators and you can't work. 
and as a woman and, you know, and the more and we'll take care of you. But yeah. you get a scrap. And I never I never ever understood how they were able to sell that. But that's all part of the whole big scheme for me. Like a book like The Naked Communist, W. Cleon Skousen's book from 58, when he said their goals were get control of the media, get control of uh, Hollywood, get control of the educational system, get control of the colleges and change the churches from a belief in, uh, you know, God change it to a social justice type thing. And this, that these were the plans. And I just look at they've, they've done it. God, I've got to read that book because they have done it. I mean, Gary, can I just say casting an eye back? at the last 40 or 50 years and at the policies that you described specifically, they really do seem engineered to disempower people and to, to gut communities and, and just look at, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, right? Because on the left, you're supposed to be like, of course you wanna support a welfare state because that's compassionate. Um, but the flip side of it is that's controlling. You know, we're not, we're not given, we don't give ourselves space to think about that. Um, or your, or you know, there is also the the weaponization of the term racism on the left. You know, so a lot of people may have questions about it, um, but we stay silent. There's a lot of silence on the left because people are so afraid of being attacked by their peers. You know, for just asking questions and having open dialogue. And for that reason, I think conservatives and libertarians are in a better place right now intellectually because they're able to just like you did, like you just asked me some questions. I asked you some questions. We're learning from each other. That process has really shut down on the left. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hear. add one more, which is feminism. Mm -hmm. Like I'm one of the world's most well-known feminists and the feminism I grew up with was about equal opportunity. Just like the civil rights discourse I grew up mm -hmm. with was equal opportunity and, and treating people as people and not using their race or gender against them in evaluating them as people. Um, I don't recognize, you know, terms like toxic masculinity and, and even feminism in the West has been kind of um, narrowly constructed and not my doing to just about abortion or just about, um, you know, being hostile to, to men and masculinity. And that's not what feminism is supposed to be. And I see that too as, you know, big picture, the same thing, fragmenting families, fragmenting the gender's respect for each other and, and reliance upon each other, um, creating division where there doesn't have to be division. And yeah, you know, if you look at where we are right now, you can almost see that it was intentional to splinter America and to make America dependent on, you know, a few controllers. And government. And by the way, I agree with you about equal opportunity. Unfortunately, what the left wants is equal outcome. And there's right. no such thing. You cannot guarantee an outcome. Naomi, I know we're, we're coming up close on the time. So I have one major question I do want to ask you. And I do want you to come back because there's so much more that I'd like to get into with you. But people need to understand this. You and you, you know, a lot of people on the left in powerful places, you have indicated or seem to think that they don't want to have a 2022 midterm, that there's plans kind of in place to kind of make sure there's no election coming up for the midterms. Yeah. We, we talk about that. That's the last thing I'm going to ask you. 
Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think they'll do everything possible not to have midterms. And if there are midterms, they'll do everything possible not to count the vote properly. Um, I'm, I'm afraid of the months leading up to November because I'm afraid there will be, uh, you know, real or fake emergencies. They're kind of blurring into each other these days. Uh, declarations of emergencies, declarations of emergency law, declar you know, monkeypox, you know, smallpox. What's next? The end result being to keep us in our homes and not let us uh, vote in person. And of course, it's disproportionately Democrats who send in mail-in ballots. Um, so I'm super worried about that. And there are ways to address that. Um, but one of them is to roll back emergency law so that we can't be told that we can't assemble anymore. That's the most critical thing, state by state and federally. That's absolutely critical. And that's why the comply law, that's why I believe shutting the government down, by shutting the government down, they got us to comply to something that was unconstitutional. So they know they've done it once, maybe they can do it again. And one of your things is don't comply. But unfortunately, with the exception of conservatives or Christians that put their faith and trust in God, they shut us down. So if they did it once, they probably think they can do it again. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, look what they've managed to do. You know, you, kids have been out of school for months. Businesses are crushed. Uh, people wear things on their faces they don't want to wear. People accept injections they don't want to accept. Why should they not think they can continue to roll over us more and more? We're not resisting. For the most part, we're not resisting. We're, we're complying. Um, I'm disappointed in my fellow Americans. So, yes, mass noncompliance is the only way to protect ourselves from further uh, power grabs and to and, and uniting, as you said earlier, across political, you know, positions across, you know, race and class and religion. We've got to unite to save our republic. Um, and that is and we have to put these criminals in jail. Please tell people how to reach you. Yes. Well, Amazon, as I said, is uh, restricting my book. So please order the bodies of others on allseasonspress.com, on dailyclout.io, or on bookshop.org, or in your local bookstore, which you want to support. And please uh, find me on Dr. Naomi R. Wolf on Getter or on dailyclout.io. And thank you so much, Gary. Thank your audience. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you. There you have it, everybody. Dr. Naomi Wolf. Um, very interesting because she she's seen the light. In fact, she's actually understands now what the Second Amendment is. She she went out, her and her husband got a rifle. She's learning how to use it. Uh, she's starting to see the light and understand what the battle is about. And that's that's this is a, a great voice for us because even though she's independent and there's got a lot of uh, you know still uh, liberal uh, points of view, the one thing she is starting to understand and seeing and shouting it from the rooftops is there is an evil faction in this country trying to destroy America from within. And we can't let them do it, people. Not on our watch, not in our America. I wanna thank Dr. Naomi Wolf for revealing and unpacking critical issues, global bad actors, and how, why Democrats are trying to destroy our society as we know it. It was apparent to me that Naomi so desperately did not want it to be this way, that she wanted Democrats to be leading the charge for freedom and liberty. But it just reached the point where Naomi stepped up to the plate 
and chose allegiance to her nation over her party, and we thank her for that. This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. That's it for now, folks. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.